Welcome to the Center for the Performing Arts at Penn State. I'm Communications Director Laura Sullivan, and you're in tune with previews. Victor Goines, a great saxophone and clarinet player, has been a member of the Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra for a long time. But the New Orleans-born musician has known orchestra leader and trumpeter Wynton Marsalis even longer. The two jazzmen, who met in kindergarten, started playing in the same bands in elementary school. Previews editor John Mark Raffis talks with Goins about his career as a musician, a composer, and an educator. He also shares his unique insights into the personality of the world's most famous jazz trumpeter. You're going to be coming along with the uh, Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra to Penn State on October 9th. I think this is the fifth time we'll, we'll be having the orchestra since its inception, and I would imagine that you have probably been there all or most of those times. I've been there most times, with the exception of four years I've been in the orchestra the entire time. I understand that you also grew up in New Orleans, and you were born the same year as Winton, weren't you not? I was. I mean, I'm a couple of months older than Winton. We have a lot in common, I have to say, from New Orleans. How old were you when you two met? Well, we, we both actually went to the same kindergarten. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> our, our paths didn't cross as much then as it did by the time we were in elementary school, performing in different... Um, honor ensembles around the city, particularly at a, in a band called the Jesuit Honor Band. And <laughs> myself, Bradford, was in that group as well, and many other people. I mean, a very talented group of musicians. Like Wynton Marsalis, you um, have an incredible resume of um, not only as a musician, but also an educator. I've been involved in education most of my life, I have to say. It's been, you know, a great opportunity because as an educator, I think one is always trying to learn more, and the best way to do it is to try to teach the, to- the topics that you're dealing with because um, your students always give you multiple viewpoints of how to do something. You actually originated um, the Jazz Studies program at Juilliard, right? It was a great opportunity and um, the Juilliard name attracts a great deal of students. That was kind of a built-in type of situation. Right. My association with Jazz and Lincoln Center, because we started out as a collaboration between the Juilliard School and Jazz and Lincoln Center, was extraordinarily helpful because Jazz and Lincoln Center has been successful in education for many, many years. Right. And um, then last but certainly not least, my ability to be on the road and just encounter so many young musicians along the way, and with my colleagues constantly feeding me names along the way, it uh, it made a situation that could have been very uh, challenging, very, very, um, I have to say, a very simple process of doing what we ordinarily did every year thereafter. I know in the past that sometimes the orchestra has had a thematic program for a particular tour. Do you know if this tour has a certain theme, or are you just going to be doing a general rep of material? Well, this, this tour is called Big Band Bash. Okay. Um, and that's really the, the, the bulk of the information I have. I mean, that allows us to go in many different ways. Right. On the music of many different composers and, and organizations, meaning big bands and whatnot. 
so it hasn't been um, really narrowed down to what we're doing specifically, but it's obviously going to be some of the most swinging big band, probably dance music. I would, right. I would think um, that has been around since the history of the music. Now, I know that you have um, written a number of compositions. I believe that you have about 50 or more works to your credit. Have have any of those been for big band? I do have many uh, for big band. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to be able to compose and arrange for the Jazz and Lincoln Center Orchestra. For other things we've done with the Winter Septet, uh, for many of our galas. Mm-hmm. I've also been involved with um, Alfred Publishing for their education series of right for high school bands and whatnot, and those have been big band arrangements. So I'm always trying to keep my pen flowing and whatnot. Do you have a uh, preference at this point in your life of composing versus performing? Do you, do you find that you get more satisfaction out of one or the other, or is that like asking you if you want your right hand or your left hand? <laughs> it, it may be a bit like that, because both of them are necessary to wash both hands clean. Yeah. Um, the composing helps the, the performance, because quite often some of the things that I have composed have been focused on the weaknesses that I have as a performer always try to challenge me to, to figure out how to deal with different aspects of my playing. For instance, um, playing in unfamiliar keys is always a challenge for, for, for most musicians, I would say. So as opposed to writing something in B-flat concert, which is a pretty familiar key in, uh, in the music world, I'll try to write something in the key of A, which creates challenges for us because we just don't play in those keys on a daily basis. And I really adopted that particular philosophy from Ellis Marcellus, I have to say. Um, you know, the fact that he used to compose things when he taught at New Orleans Center for the Creative Arts to address the needs and the, the obstacles that his students were encountering at that time. So it, it varies. I mean, sometimes I'll write it purely for an artistic endeavor and what I'm hearing. Other times I'm trying to address things that I think I want to learn how to play better, be it playing in mixed meters, play it, be it fast tempers, be it tempos, be it playing in different keys that I'm not quite familiar with. It is interesting that you have known Winton as long as, as any musician that, that's out there performing. Um, he's certainly known as, as you know, quite the, quite the ambassador for jazz, as, as are you. I mean, he certainly has that name recognition that probably no other jazz musician has, but certainly he surrounds himself with musicians who are, you know, every bit as, as good or better. Um, what, what was he like as a kid? Um, you know, was he, did he seem that directed as a, as a child? He's always been one who have put um, really a high bar in place for himself and his achievements. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of elementary school, as I remember him, I mean, we, we all did, not that we live in the same neighborhoods, because we live quite a ways apart. Uh-huh. But um, in our conversations, talking about how we all grew up, he did many of the same things that most kids. They played basketball, played football, did right. this, right. that. I mean, obviously he practiced because he was a high achiever already by that time. But I can say by the time he got to high school, it made a, a very um, clear decision that music was going to be what he was going to do, and he wanted to be as great as he could at that particular art form. He decided to really attack the practice mode of it. But not only in music, he's always been a high achiever academically as well. Right. Um, if my memory serves me correctly, he was a uh, National Merit Scholar in high school. Uh-huh. And I can remember being with him on, um, as we would travel to different places for auditions, normally when most kids would be congregating with their friends and whatnot, he was studying. Mm-hmm. Reading old English and other things that, was, that were necessary for his assignments in school. Right. He would play gigs at night. On the break, he would do his own work. Um, 
he practiced in the morning. He would get up before school and practice. He would practice on his lunch break. He would go to his high school and, and attend his classes that day. He would practice after school, and then he would go make games, be it with um, the funk bands that he played in or with the New Orleans Philharmonic. They had a brass ensemble that he was participating in in his senior year in high school. So the bar that he had set for himself today is a bar that he has always set for himself, as I remember it from high school on. And I think as a result, you can see the um, the results of that particular um type of work ethic because ultimately he decided that the person he was going to compete against was himself in the legends and jazz people like Duke Ellington, Count Basie, mm-hmm. uh, Dizzy Gillespie, Louis Armstrong. Do you think that you would have been as drawn to music as you were if you hadn't grown up in New Orleans? It, there, there's something about that city. It's probably America's most musical city. Um, <laughs> you know, so many kids are involved in instrumental music there, uh, and I, I would imagine vocal music as well. Right. Well, it's interesting because the the music scene is so um, has fallen apart so much in New Orleans, especially in the school systems. Um, to answer your question, though, I always felt like New Orleans musicians had an unfair advantage because we did almost everything that there was to do in the music industry, short of maybe a, um, a Latin music scene. Right. And there was a little bit of that, I'm sure. I wasn't privileged to it. But everything from gospel music to parades on Saturdays and Sundays to funk bands to jazz clubs to classical music, we did all of that. And I, and I do believe that that had a tremendous impact on me as a musician and many of my colleagues that you see around, mm. uh, the Marcellus family, Terrence Blanchard, Donald Harrison, Harry Connick Jr., Nicholas Payton, on and on, Marlon Jordan and his family. So uh, New Orleans did play a tremendous role. I'm not sure if it would have... Um, because first of all, there's great musicians all over the place, and it seems like jazz spouts up in different parts right. of the country over periods of time. But um, it definitely played an important role because I had the privilege of being around so many great musicians, and they they took me under their wing really to allow me to to, to have that nurturing feeling and um, be very honest with me at the same time about what it was that we were doing. Is there anything else musically that you haven't done that you would like to try? Well, I like to get involved in some. Film scoring. That, mm-hmm. That's one thing I really have a, a great desire. I'm trying to do my homework and study. So when Harlan Riley, a great drummer who played with the Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra, went for a cellist septet, and he's from New Orleans, mm-hmm. we always say when opportunity meets preparation, you can deal with the prosperity of the situation. So I'm in my preparation stage, you might say. And right. I hope that that opportunity comes along someday that I can do something like that. Tickets are on sale now for the Swinging Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra with Wynton Marsalis, October 9th at Eisenhower Auditorium. Order online at www.cpa.psu.edu or by phone at 1-800-ARTS-TIX. For the Center for the Performing Arts, I'm Laura Sullivan.